So, again, good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Again, depending where you are, I think it's uh, become my, uh, my opening line. Uh, happy Friday, everyone. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time. As always, we're going to have a topic. We're going to talk about HELOCs, and I'll explain that in a second. Today, that's the topic for today. But of course, as always, you are most welcome to uh, uh, put your questions related, directly related to the topic, but also related to real estate investing. If that's what you want to do, no problem. I'll be happy to, um, to address uh, additional or questions that are not necessarily related to the topic, obviously related to real estate investing. So thank you for your time, attention. Um, you know, I like this. I've been doing this for a long time. I love teaching, sharing, and uh, engaging with you guys. I, am, I always know that I become a better person, investor, someone who helps others by engaging with others. So I learn from uh, my investors or from people that I interact with as well. So I thank you for that. Uh, let's talk about HELOCs for a second. HELOC, Home Line Equity. Okay, that's what it stands for, Home Line Equity. Uh, for those of you who are not really familiar with it, that means, let's just take an example. A lot of our clients come from the Bay Area. Um, in the Bay Area, some of them have purchased houses for their own sake. They're all primary residents. Let's just say seven years ago for a million dollars, I'm just making it up, and seven years later, this house, you know, in the Bay Area is now worth 1.7. Okay, let's just put it this way. 1.7, whatever, 1.5. So that means you, you, if you're in that situation, have created some equity in the property. And, you know, uh, maybe we'll talk about that, you know, in the, for the inv Israeli investors as well. Um, you created that equity or the equity was created due to appreciation and you want to tap into it. Okay. What, what can you do? You can go to the bank and say, I want to get a HELOC, a home line of equity, you know, credit on my house. The bank will appraise it, make sure everything makes sense, and then say, you know what? You will still have to keep some buffer here, but we can set you up, and I have a lot of clients to do that, uh, with a $300,000 line of credit. Okay, That means you can tap into your, you become your own bank for the moment, and you can tap into that $300,000, all of it, some of it, a, sm a small portion of it, whatever you want to do. And of course, there's going to be interest. So typically, in HELOCs, um, you're not going to pay anything as long, you know, as, as long as you didn't you know, borrow or pull money out. So it's like an account. There's $300,000 in. You can pull out money, $20,000, $10,000, $150,000, no more than $300,000 in this situation, and use it as you see best, okay? What can you do with it, okay? Well, a lot of us would, would say, hey, easy. I have money sitting here I can tap into. Let me go ahead and uh, use it towards buying real estate. Obviously, that's what we want to do. Couple of things about that. When you buy money, you know, so when you buy real estate and using the down payment Let's just take an example. Let's just say we're buying a $200,000 home uh, in Tampa and you need, you're going to get a, a conventional mortgage, conventional mortgage for 80, let's just say 80%, that's $160,000 and you need $40,000 plus change to purchase that house, okay? Let's keep it simple, not complicated. Let's say you borrow $40,000 because you don't have it in your cash, in your pocket from your HELOC, from your line of credit 
and you use it as the down payment and then you get a conventional mortgage uh, from a conventional bank, whatever bank it is, to purchase that rental property. Couple of things I want you to understand when you do that. Number one, if you didn't realize it until now, you are actually doing 100% financing, okay? That means you just borrowed 100% of the money needed to buy that property. You took it from two resources, but it's still 100% financing, okay? You're going to be paying interest on the HELOC, on the $40,000 that, uh, uh, that you borrowed, and you're going to pay interest on your uh, conventional mortgage. Typically, from my experience in the type of properties we are normally buying, that will create a situation where your cash flow is going to be probably not even breaking even, but negative, okay? Not a lot, but maybe $100, $200 a month negative, okay? Now, that doesn't have to be a scary position if you can afford it, right? You, you work, you have income coming into your life, and you're going to uh, pay that you know, $200 additional, uh, $200 a month uh, from your salary and you're good to go. There is even some tax benefits for it, okay? But the important thing I want you to understand is that this is 100% financing, which is ROI-wise, very good. You didn't use any of your own cash. Cash flow-wise is not necessarily a great position to be in. So I just want you to be aware of that. Um, now, second thing I want you to be aware, typically... The bank, the conventional lender, want to find out, want to know where is your down payment coming from. If it's coming from your cash in your bank account, they're okay with it. If you disclose to them that you borrow that money, they would not approve the loan, okay? Typically, that's the case. I have one investor this week that I spoke to and said, you know what? I actually told my bank that's what I'm planning to do and I had no problem with it. So that was a bit of a surprise to me to hear that the bank doesn't care. Typically, from my experience, they ask you where is the money coming from, and if you disclose the fact that, that, that it's borrowed, then the bank will say, we are not giving you a loan, a conventional mortgage, to buy that rental property because you are using borrowed money for, uh, for the down payment. Now, if you already taken that money out and you place it in your account, let's say the $40,000 i am talking about, and you let it sit there for a month, probably two, three months at least, the bank will be less questioning or worried about where the money is coming from. So that means you may need to age or collect dust on your money, on the borrowed money, and pay a little bit of interest uh, while, you're, uh, um, uh, while you're waiting for to buy your next property. So one way you can go about it is, you know, it's, you know if you don't have money sitting around cash that you can utilize to invest as user down, down payment, but you have the HELOC, it's a great way for you to utilize that money in order to invest in real estate, right? To buy your next property or properties. Not only that, you may be even, even, even be, be able to take it to a little bit uh, next level. The next level that I'm talking about in today's marketplace where inventory is tight, a lot of competition out there in most markets, you want to be able to, uh, to get any advantage or edge when buying, right? One way to go about it is to buy cash. What if you don't have cash? You go to your HELOC and you say, I'm going to borrow $200,000. i am going to make a cash offer on this property, okay? So that makes it, you know, gives it a little bit more advantage, 
right? The advantage of cash offer is both the cash itself, there's no mortgage involved, less uncertainty for the seller to worry about, but also a quicker close. So you can go to the seller and say, not only that I'm buying cash, but I'm actually, I actually can close within two weeks, maybe three weeks. I need a week for the due diligence and another week for the closing and we're good to go. Sellers like that. That gives you uh, two advantages, advantages. And then after you purchase the property, you bring in your final, uh, you do like a refi or delayed financing. We're not going to go into it, but basically bring in the final financing structure as if you're buying with a mortgage to begin with. Right? There's a little more steps involved here, but I just want to give you the outline. So you can actually take your HELOC and say, you know what, let me use the HELOC or cash to, to get some advantage to what's going on in today's marketplace. And then once I acquire, I refi, and then you know I move on to the next one. And you repeat that process, and the HELOC is like, uh, is, your, uh, um, is your fuel, your cash, helps you, enables you to do that. That will definitely help you, especially in today's uh, marketplace. Another uh, other option you can consider, instead of investing in rental properties, where you're going to lock your HELOC money, HELOC funds, for a long period of time, the down payment at least, you can actually utilize and say, you know what, I'm going to be utilizing it to invest in a flip. Short term, six months, a year, let's just call it a year, you're going to borrow 200000 or less, and you're going to you know, place it, probably with us, on a flip property, and then... We flip that house, you collect your, uh, uh, you know, your proceeds, you collect your uh, investment back, and you're good to go. So it's a short term, you know, just touching the HELOC and not you know, touching or pulling money out of the HELOC for long term. Now, um, another thing that I, I see some of our investors are doing is say, you know what, this is the HELOC. You know, it, the HELOC are usually a, an adjustable rate and not fixed rate. It, you know, it's my house, there's some exposure, I don't want to lock the money in a long-term rental type of a property. A flip is one option, a secondary option, or another option is to use it as private lender. We work with some of our investors as private lenders. They're coming to us and say, we don't want to invest directly in the direct ownership of a flip or a rental, but we want to be more passive. We want to be the bank. So we work with you as the bank, as a private lender, you bring your money from the HELOC. Let's just say you collect, you pay 4% on your HELOC uh, or 4.5% and we pay you 8% on, you know, uh, annual interest rate. So you get the spread, like 3.5-4% spread on the money that it's basically not, you know, not yours. So it's, uh, you know, it's an infinite return on investment. That's another option. So all of those methods are ways for you to utilize your HELOC, okay? Now, one thing I want you to, to kind of keep in mind when you're considering doing something like that, you know, kind of word, you know, be a little bit cautious. Remember that you are still investing and there's still, you know, risk involved with investing, right? Remember that. Now, my biggest concern always when you touch your HELOC is that if something happens to the investment or the economy, it may reflect on your house. Right. If something happens with your, you know, with this property. So remember, there's maybe even if you can borrow, let's say the bank enables you to borrow 300,000. Maybe you should only borrow 100,000 ish or so. Maybe be a little bit more conservative or cautious about it because this is your own home. And you probably don't want to jeopardize or put it in, you know, in risk that you cannot handle. OK, so I would say, you know, word of caution, 
Don't borrow as much as you can. That's just my, my, uh, uh, my suggestion. You do whatever you want. Borrow as much as it makes more sense or keeps you, you know, keeps you out of harm's way. So that's just, uh, you know, to be a little bit cautious about, you know, using the HELOCs. Now, if you are, uh, I'm just going to take a you know, sidetrack to uh, some of our investors. They're coming from Israel. Uh, and in Israel, the HELOC as a program is not really existent uh, or available. There's something similar, but one of the biggest challenges investors in Israel have is getting mortgages in the U.S., which is almost impossible. Not impossible, almost impossible. Very difficult. And one way to go about it is instead of selling your house in Israel, you can go to the bank and extend your existing mortgage assuming that makes sense financially with the with with you or with the property or maybe a rental that you have and borrow or you know increase your borrowing plan and use that borrowed money to invest in the states so some of our investors who actually live in the US and have a property back in Israel debating should I sell it or not and they never or many of them don't even think for a second that you don't have to sell it if it's free and clear, get a mortgage and use that money to bring it over. If it's not free and clear, but you can actually increase the mortgage, even if it makes sense to you financially, then go ahead and do that and bring some of those funds here. You're actually borrowing money. You're borrowing it one state and investing it in, another, in one country and investing it in another. So that's just a you know, way how to structure available equity. Some, some of us are, you can say, property rich, cash poor, and we always want to find out how to tap into financial resources. This is a great way to go about it. When you have a, a property, you can tap into the equity. And you know what I like about it most? You don't necessarily have to sell. You keep the property and you actually tap into the equity inside the property. So this is what I wanted to say to cover on the HELOCs. Uh, in a nutshell, you, if you have a HELOC, by the way, most of, of the banks... I, so far, I don't think I've met the bank. I'm, I'm sure it's out there that they're going to give you a HELOC on a rental property. Let's say you have a, a rental property and it, you bought it for 100, 10 years ago, and now it's worth 200,000. And you go to the bank and say, I want to you know, get a HELOC on the rental property. I'm not sure there is a program, you know, I haven't checked everywhere that there is a program for that. Maybe someone else knows. Typically, HELOC are on your primary residence. So if you have a HELOC or you have equity in your house, you don't have to get a ref you don't have to do a refi. You can actually just take a HELOC on your property, you set it up first, and then you borrow as you see fit based on your needs, and then you can execute it or apply it in the following ways: borrow the you know only only what's needed as and use as a down payment alongside the conventional mortgage to buy a rental property. Borrow a bigger chunk, purchase it as if you're buying cash, you know, with the seller. From the seller's point, standpoint, you buy our cash, you purchase that property, and then you refi or do delayed financing in order to secure the final fi financing uh, with a conventional loan. And then you can bring all or most of the cash back into the HELOC. Borrow from the HELOC a certain X amount of dollars and invest in flips, a short-term type of investment, and the same way, short, another short type way to invest those funds is invest in um, invest in uh, uh, as a private lender. Private lender simply means you become the bank. Instead of us going to a bank and borrowing money to make an investment, 
I go to one of our investors, he becomes the bank, we've done it many times, and then we invest. So same, the same concept. If you don't know what private lending means, to simplify it, you're the bank and you, you behave exactly like the bank. You collect annual interest rate, etc. I'm not going to go into that. Maybe that's a topic, um, a topic to, uh, to another uh, session, maybe next week. So those are the, way, uh, the, the, the ways you can probably use you know, to tap into your HELOC. And again, just be a bit careful not to super extend. Remember, whatever you do, there's always risk. Even as a private lender, there's risk. Everywhere there's risk. Be, you know, remember HELOC is usually your primary residence. I wouldn't want you to put your own primary residence, you know, in a in a in, in a risky po uh, position for you. With that said, I am done with my topic about HELOC. If you have questions, please let me know. Uh, let's see if anything comes in. Well, I see a lot of names that I, I missed. Well, it's great to see all of you. Um, well, thank you. And I'm going to wait here for just a minute. It takes some time. Sometimes it takes a bit of a time to uh, get the, um, uh, the questions in. Hopefully. Um... Okay. Let's do an encouragement. The first one who asks a good question, not just how are you, a simple question, a good question, will get uh, a free registration for the next webinar. Free registration on us. It's got to be a good question, not just a very, you know, simple one to get the, the, you know, the code. A true question. I'm surprised I see Yuval and Nir that are always involved and asking questions. Nothing today. That's okay. You know what? That's okay. No questions. I guess uh, the topic is all clear. No problem. You guys, thank you for, uh, for spending uh, your morning, afternoon, evening with me. I really appreciate it. Good to see a lot of those names. We are here to help you. If you want to talk to us in a more intimate environment, no problem. We do it day in, day out. Um, Check the links for the upcoming webinars. Remember, the webinars are not on this platform. They are on a different platform. We teach. Those are not just webinars. Those are classes. We teach. We actually really teach, uh, you know, different aspects of real estate investing. Thank you. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great weekend. We'll see you either on the webinar, in person, or on the next uh, uh, session on Facebook in one week. Have a terrific weekend, everyone. Bye-bye. Very good. Let's get started. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, depending on when you are, where you are. Danny Bedor here. We're going to start with our session about real estate investing, uh, which we hold every week at, uh, on Friday at uh, 11 a.m., 11 in the morning, Pacific time, California time. 
Uh, I speak in English because this is open to the public and we have speakers from multiple areas around the country, actually not just the country, other parts of the world as well. So that's why I'm doing this in English. For those of you who are wondering why is this guy speaking with an accent and not in his mother tongue, that's the main reason. Uh, we are doing this session with a clear purpose to engage with you, have an opportunity for you to ask questions regarding real estate investing, share information, teach you, educate you, uh, um, all of the above. It's being recorded in three formats, straight live on Facebook, straight live on YouTube, and to our podcast. So when this is done, it's going to dis be distributed at least to three, three of those channels. We have a, uh, a very extensive knowledge-based uh, YouTube channel. You're most welcome to check it out. There's a tons of videos there uh, I've been putting for years. Uh, about real estate investing, mostly in English. Some of them are in Hebrew. Uh, with that said, I want to just uh, 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 and, uh, let you know um, two things. Um, next week on Tuesday evening, 6 p.m. Pacific time, we're doing a webinar. A webinar is not going to be here. It's going to be held on, <clears throat> on, a, on a different platform. It's a teaching class. Um, about how to not only get started with investing, but how to move even faster. Meaning, how do we start? What are the fundamentals, you know, of um, you know, of investing? How do we move a little bit faster? And how we even move faster than that? It's a webinar. It's a class. It's a teaching class. Probably about forty-five minutes to an hour, depending on your question. That's coming up Tuesday. This coming Tuesday in a few days next week, six p.m. If you are not available to participate due to the time zone difference, you're most welcome to register. Um, and once we uh, we hold the session, we record it, we send you the um, the link to watch the recording, no problem uh, at all. So we only share with those who register the uh, recording once it's done. The other thing I want to mention is in a week, a week from today, the topic for the next, I'm a little bit excited about it, the topic of next week uh, Facebook Live session is going to be how to buy properties or flip properties at the live auction. I'm excited to you know to come back into this arena of buying at the live auction, which I have done years back, probably in 2012 and 13 and 14, uh, maybe even 2011. I bought plenty of properties at the live auction, and then for a few years we steered away from that for various reasons. We are coming back into that uh, uh, court, to that you know uh, uh, territory, and we are starting next week to buy at the auction properties. So we're gonna, I'm gonna share with you the process, what it takes, what entails, what's included. So that's coming up in one week from today, um, on Friday, the Facebook session. With that said, I want to talk on today's topic. Today's topic is actually how to uh, invest using your retirement account money. And I'm gonna mainly focus on those of you who live in, in the States or have retirement funds in the US. Now, a lot of us put money, you know, many times when I talk to investors and I ask, and by the way, if you have questions, by all means, put them on the, on the chat. I'll take them as I'm, as I'm done with the topic. Um, so I'll be happy to answer questions that are directly related to the topic or indirectly related to the topic. Hopefully we can keep it within real estate investing altogether. Many times when I speak to investors in the, what we call the strategy session, it's a one-on-one -on -one session that we hold just to get 
things cleared and questions answered and address concerns, that's how usually we start the process of working with investors. They come up and say, you know what, Danny, I have no money or very little money available to invest. Um, I would like to buy more. I'm not sure how to go about it. And then when we start exploring, very quickly we find out that they do have funds available in a, in, in a retirement account. Maybe that's something they've been um, contributing to uh, over the years through their employer. And it's kind of built up some, some funds over the years. And those funds, if positions correct, positioned correctly, can be used towards investing in real estate. In multi, actually, not just real estate, investing in many ways. Um, it's usually referred to, um, the, the common name is a self-directed IRA or retirement account. There are very few formats how to go about it. If you're self-employed, it may be a 401k. If you are an employee, it's an IRA. The, 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 so there are a few vehicles how to go about it. The first thing I want you to understand is if you have a retirement account, and you are able to tap into that and utilize it in a different way, how you see fit, you can actually position your funds and invest, use them to invest in real estate. Just by the name of it, self-directed IRA tells you it's a self-directed. The whole point is you can decide what to do and how to invest your money. Now let's you know, let's step back for a second and understand something. Typically, when you are an employee and you have a retirement account and you contribute and the, your employer contributes to that retirement account, the, your employer typically works with one or two uh, uh, custodians or companies. Sometimes it's Fidelity or Charles Schwab and there are a few others, Vanguard, a few others. And they are, those companies, third, you know, third-party companies are the one who manage your funds, your retirement you know, funds. Now, they have uh, uh, investment guidelines, they have analysts, they have uh, um, people who execute, and they may, uh, may work with you in more specific or in more general and say, okay, here's your, your, your portfolio. We have 20, 30, 40, 100, 200, whatever thousand dollars in it, and we're going to deploy it for you in the following scheme. Um, 20% high risk, 80% uh, medium risk, and 20% low risk. I'm just making it up, right? And they take care of it, right? They manage your portfolio, they, they manage your account. I'm sure most of you are familiar with it. Now, typically, as long as you are employed by, uh, by this company, and again, I'm going to be, you know, uh, kind of gen speaking generalities because there could be specific situations or, uh, uh, that are different than, than the generalities, of course, you are able, uh, you are not able to touch those funds and self-direct them, right? Usually, your employer will not release the funds um, from that, you know, third-party uh, money manager to you. Okay, sometimes they may, but most times, from my experience, they won't. When you switch employer, typically it's an opportunity to for you to move those funds either with you to the next employer or move it to a different location that you can actually manage it yourself. Now, what does it mean? It means like, as you know, by its name, self-directed. You can move your money into a third-party custodian 
that will manage that will not manage the money for you that will hold the money for you you know under the you know the, the, the correct IRS code and regulation so everything I'm telling you is completely regal highly regulated so no surprises here the third party is, is is like a bank account let's just put it this way it's a retirement fund but you are able to self-direct meaning you can actually decide what you want to do with that money I can give you some examples I have investors who purchased rental properties using their retirement money. Now, remember, when you have a retirement account and you are self-directing it, it is as if you just grew awkwardly another arm. You cannot benefit from that money directly, but, you, but your retirement account can benefit. So that means anything that happens in that transaction doesn't benefit you directly. It goes into the retirement account and you can enrich it, you can enlarge it, you can do whatever you want with it. So here are some, a few examples. I, ha I have investors who purchase rental properties, all cash from their retirement account money. So that means they went out, they bought a property, a rental property, um, and, they, and their retirement account is the owner of that property. So they are not direct owner. They control everything, but they are not the direct owner of that property. I have investors who did the same thing and they not only purchased the property but were able to obtain a, a, you know, um, a special mortgage for this type of investing. I'm saying special mortgage because those are typically non-recourse mortgages which require a larger down payment and they have to apply uh, to, uh, um, to happen under some other guidelines okay so it's very similar to your conventional mortgage just a little bit different with typically 35 to 40 percent you know down payment by their retirement account and the rest is coming from a mortgage uh mortgage bank there's a one or two specialized mortgage banks that's what they do day in day out that's a special program it's a similar rate maybe a little bit higher than you can get on the on the open market so, you know maybe slightly higher the bigger biggest difference is a higher a larger down payment than you would get on your own if you go in and buy this house by yourself and remember it's a non-recourse loan non-recourse means the bank cannot go after you should you stop making the payment get into default that's what it means uh, recourse which most loans in the states are recourse meaning if you default the bank can go after you personally um again generalities it, it it's a little bit different um, from state to state so we're not going to dive into that that's way too complicated for this uh, uh, for this uh, session and way too complicated altogether um, I would say so just uh, keeping it simple um, so we talked about rental cash from your retirement account rental with a mortgage from your retirement account um, I had investors have investors they're participating as part of a group on a flip property so that means we pulled three, four investors together. Some of them brought cash. Some of them brought money from the retirement account. And we are buying this flip. We're doing this flip for using their retirement account. Um, I even had uh, a situation where I did a flip with a couple. And this couple, when they brought the funds in, they brought it from four different resources. They bought, brought it from cash. They had money in an LLC, so they bought it from the LLC. They bought, brought money from her retirement account and his retirement account. For me, it was one couple, right? Just this couple that we partner on the deal, but the money came from four different accounts. And when we distributed the profits, 
we distribute it proportionally. So whatever the, you know uh, uh, was uh, the percentage of each one of those four accounts, you know they made they got their investment back plus the profit proportionally. It wasn't equal amounts. Just to show you, they even partnered between multiple retirement accounts and entities on one deal, right? Uh, so for me, that didn't matter because it's one couple, but for them, they just pulled their resources together. So we had that. Um, I had an investor who did uh, um, provided us a private loan on a flip, and the money from the private loan came from a retirement account. So what I'm trying to tell you, there are multiple ways how to go about it. Um, when you are self-directing, you decide how you want to, it's your money, basically. Um, you want to decide, you want to be the decider how to deploy, invest, what to do with those funds and not let someone else, such as some custodian, uh, some Charles Schwab, uh, you know, a Vanguard or one of those bigger companies, Fidelity, to di dictate and decide what to do with the money. I'm not saying it's wrong that they would do that. I'm just saying it's all about, you know, who's controlling the money, who's controlling the decisions of your funds, right? Some people want to do it themselves, some people want to want to send it over, uh, let uh, some money manager take care of it. Um, so if you are in a situation where you either tapped out to buy the next property or you are altogether tapped out or you're saying, you know what, I do have money available, you probably, you know, in a retirement account, the first thing you want to do is probably look into and see if you can reposition it in a self-directed retirement account okay it's not always what you can do because it really depends on your employer and what the uh, um, um, and what the uh, um, the situation is and if you you see that you can reposition it if you can reposition it then you want to go and open an account with one of those custodians that will enable you to self-direct okay the challenges you're facing are this it's a noise and hustle and trouble to open an account and to know where to open it and who to work with and how to do it. You know, it's not impossible. It's just a little bit red tape and bureaucracy and just, you know, time consuming and annoying. So that's just one thing I want you to, to know. Um, and once you do that, you just open it in another account, transfer the money over, and now it is ready to, uh, um, uh, to uh, uh, invest in real estate, maybe some other types of assets as well from your retirement account money. Okay, so the first thing you would need to do is decide, um, you know, reposition the funds. Some of the names I've mentioned of the bigger companies, that the money managers of your retirement account have a thing called uh, self-manage. Self-manage, every time I looked into it, the self-manage is very limited what you can do and how much you can use from your retirement account. So there's maybe a hybrid program out there of a self-manage without needing to reposition the funds into another custodian, a money, a, a money supervisor, let's just call it, you know, uh, for the sake of simplicity, but, um, uh, but they are limited. So they may enable you to do some work. From my experience, they won't let you, um, they're not set up to help you or enable you to invest in real estate. So you probably want to move to a self-directed. Now, if you are a little bit lost about this and you're not sure what to do, first of all, you can go out and search self-directed IRA, um, find people who, uh, you know, companies that are that are in the field 
and they can probably help you. If you're not sure, it's still kind of a little bit, you know, uh, uh, um, uncertain what to do. We have a colleague, I have a colleague who has a, a business helping people to decide where to put and how to put. And he actually takes them through all those steps and show them, you know, kind of helps them to go all the way to the point where they not only that they have the money in a self-directed, but it's ready to be invested in real estate, okay, or something else. So those are the things I wanted to share. Remember, look into your self-directed position. If you're self-employed, it's probably just a little bit different name, such as a 401k. But even if you're self-employed, you can, you, I do that, I'm self-employed. I have an account a little bit different that I'm using towards real estate. So by all means, it is possible. Um, the most challenging situation is if your all your funds are with the current employer or your retirement account funds are with the current employer and you cannot release or touch them until you switch to another employer. Typically, when you switch uh, jobs position uh, jobs to another employer, it's an opportunity to pull uh, funds out. You don't have to pull all your funds out. You can say, you know what, I have a hundred thousand dollars in my retirement account. I'll take sixty thousand. Place them here and 40 I'll keep, you know, in the, my traditional retirement account. It's entirely, you know, movable, but I just want me, want you to be aware it's something um, you can do. I'm very surprised every time I talk to people about it. They don't even know you can do that, meaning invest from your retirement account money. Not to mention that they don't even realize not only that you can invest, you can actually use in some, you know, uh, situations, um, a special mortgage, let's just put it as a special mortgage for that type of investment. The mortgage is not relevant for every type of you know investment, but for your traditional real estate uh, rental, absolutely. I have a lot of investors who have done that over the years. I know the bank, they've been working with that with mainly one bank for many, many years. That's what they do day in, day out. So that's it, what I wanted to cover about self-directed, Self-directed, you know, in, you know, uh, uh, IRA or retirement account, and how you can utilize, tap into it to invest in real estate. And I'm gonna leave you with this: if you need help figuring it out, and you want me to recommend someone that you can talk to about it, let me know. Reach out to me. I'll make the introduction, um, and you can uh, talk to that person. If you think you can do it on your own, just research that aspect and go online and see uh, how to uh, to do so. Um, if you want to, once you're ready with the money with the self-directed and want to start buying real estate, of course, we are here to help you with that. Not only with the, um, what to buy, where to buy, but also how to get mortgages and what, uh, what else needs to be done regarding it. Uh, if we have questions, I'll take them now, of course. Um, and while I'm waiting for, hopefully for questions to come up, um, I will just, uh, remind you that we have two events that I want you to be aware coming up. Uh, one is the, the webinar that we have on Tuesday. On Tuesday, um, coming Tuesday, which is, uh, what is it? June 12, 6 p.m. California time. It's gonna be recorded. It's a class we're teaching. It's not here on Facebook or on YouTube. It's a different platform. You can register. I'm going to talk about how to get started, the, the basic fundamentals of real estate, and then how we move, not just how we get started, but how we move a little bit faster and even faster than that. Uh, it's about an hour long, depending on questions, 45 to an hour long. 
so that's one coming up on Tuesday. The second thing in a week, uh, a week from today, which is Friday, a week from today, a regular session, Facebook live session, YouTube live session. Remember, we're doing it live here and live here and recording on the uh, uh, podcast at the same time. So three channels as we speak. Um, I'm going to be talking about buying properties at the auction, live auction, not online, live auction with a clear purpose to flip them. Okay. Um, let me see if there are any questions. Okay. No questions are coming in. That's fine. No problem. Um, you are most welcome to post questions after the fact when you watch the recording. I heard, I hear, I get feedback from people that are not able to attend the live but are watching the recording. So I appreciate that. Thank you for taking the time. We are here to help you with investing in real estate in the US, multiple markets, rentals, flips, other things as well. Uh, I would love to uh, meet you and speak with you in a more intimate uh, uh, environment, one-on-one, Skype, phone, whatever works. Have a terrific rest of your day. Have a great, great weekend. See you next week in one of the one or both of our sessions. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Shabbat shalom for those of you who uh, uh, go out for the weekend. Bye-bye.